Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. The uh, Matt Taylor OGs, I feel like, is a very accurate description in how that second half unfolded. I, I can't be the only one. Again, at halftime, I looked at the money line for the Vikings. I think I tweeted out late third quarter. This is going to be a football game in the fourth. Like, it just... What was it at? It was plus 3,500. 10 bucks you, to win 350. Did you put any on? Trust me, I thought about it. I did not. I regretted that I didn't look. I know a lot of people put... I think the Vikings were plus 27 and a half or something like that at that point. A lot of people put money on that. Of course, that was a very easy cover. Uh, but it just, I, I don't know if we have scar tissue from this season, guys, but it just, it felt like that was going to become a football game. And w- w- when Cousins threw the pick, I'm like, okay, that that's it. You know, a team can't come back from 33 down, never happened in NFL history, of course, and throw an interception, and yet they still overcame that. In the end, truly epic. In the end, it it was a colossal collapse, a historic collapse. But in the end, all's well that ends well. Frankly, because had they won that game, what would we be saying this morning? I think ninth in draft position, yeah. Jake. Yeah, I mean, I mean like, as long as you doing? can live with the embarrassment. And again, it's it's not a big section of the fan base, but I think there are some people out there, Jake, that are like, that was so embarrassing. It pisses me off to the nth degree, and I hate that, that now that's going to be brought up every single time you see a team with a big lead. And all the memes on Sunday with the Argentina blowing the lead, I mean, the Colts logo and the Argentina flag. I mean, it was a field day. I want to know, and we can ask Zach this, I would like to know whether or not that particular fashion in which the Colts have lost in a year that has been an utter disappointment for the Colts. We'll ask Zach Kiefer, who joins us now on the Payless Lickers Hotline. Zach, of course, you read his work at The Athletic, one of the premier cover guys for the Colts, uh, he and Stephon Gilmore, I guess. But, Zach, my question for you is this. Does the manner in which the Colts lost that game in any way, shape, or form – finally turned the corner of Jim Irsay, you know, who is who was kind of – I thought Jim Irsay has kind of been – apologetic's the wrong word, but patient, I guess, with the, in my opinion, self-inflicted ter- turns of this season. But was that the one that finally Jim Irsay's had enough? I think so, Jake. I think you're on to something. I don't think you can look at this team any other way than – something's broken like something is terribly wrong and and it starts with the head coach and we've talked a lot about that but like you don't get blown out 55 to 0 in the fourth quarter in two consecutive weeks that's a combined score 55 to 0 unless something is terribly terribly wrong and and I think it was obvious before the trip to Minnesota but it's even more obvious now whether they will admit it or not this is not an answer. This is not a solution. This is not a coach that's, that's going to be able to fix this. Um, and I did, I did have a story up this morning, and I talked to Jim Mercer recently, and I have to mention that this was before the trip to Minnesota. But Jim Mercer seems to be of the understanding that he wants to bring Chris Ballard back. Um, now, he hasn't gone as far as saying that about Jeff Saturday, but 
Like, don't you guys think there is absolutely no way, no way in the world, like not even 1%, that you can sell a Jeff Saturday coaching hire on a permanent basis? Zach, I want to focus on, on what you just brought up there, your latest. Again, will Colts owner Jim Mercer bring GM uh, Chris Ballard back in 2023? Um just a little snippet of that piece. This is a quote from Ursay to you. I think a lot of Chris, young GMs make mistakes. He's been up against it. The number one component is he's an outstanding talent evaluator. He has this Polian-esque touch in the draft room. There have been some things people don't realize you have to learn as a general manager. You just don't get it overnight. I feel very confident in where we're going. Um, if you don't mind me asking, like, when, again, I, I know you said before the Vikings game. Was it after the Cowboys game? Was it in between the Cowboys-Vikings game when you had that combo? Yeah, I think so. Um, and, and I think that's interesting. Like, if you read the quote again, like, he mentioned the drafting. And there's certainly been some great draft picks. Certainly. But I think the overarching issues right now are, are not necessarily with the draft picks. And you can be picky at some of them for sure. They've, Chris Bowers never drafted a pass rusher that's had more than six sacks in a season. And we're on six years now. Um, but the reality is, I think Jim Irsay is losing trust in those around him. Whether he'll admit that or not, I think it's obvious in the moves that have been made over the last calendar year, going back to the Carson Wentz decision, that was Jim Irsay. And then moving into this year, the benching of Matt Ryan, that was Jim Irsay. And I can guarantee you, the hiring of just Saturday was, again, a Jim Irsay move. So it feels like he believes in Chris Ballard in some areas, starting with the draft room, but not so much others. And that's going to be fascinating because who's ultimately going to make the decision when it comes to who's the next head coach? I think we all know that answer. And I ask, you know, when that conversation was, because we remember, I think, right before the Washington game, you know, Ursay did kind of the national tour to try and put out some of the fires there of, no, I, I believe in Frank Reich, this and that. And then they have the embarrassing performance in blowing that lead at home to a backup quarterback in Washington another embarrassing performance in Foxborough, and then Frank Reich's fired. Well, if you look at the Colts the last two weeks, you give up or you're outscored by 33 in the fourth quarter to Dallas, first time in 97 years an NFL team has done that, and then the first time ever in NFL history, more than a century, that you blow as big of a lead as they did on Saturday. I, it comes to the point, Zach, where I feel like this season has gone from disappointing in the fact that you had the big expectations and you're not sniffing those, and now it's embarrassing. And when you have these embarrassments on national television, knowing Ursay, and again, Ursay's Ursay, so I probably shouldn't be too too confident in this, but embarrassing, that's where I think this could teeter in cleaning house. And, and I, de I, I didn't necessarily think he might do that a couple weeks ago. Yeah, I agree 100%. And, and those of us that have worked in this market, they know this can change very, very quickly, very quickly, and it has. And what Jim Mercer says today on December 16th or whatever, it, it won't really matter come January 10th after that Houston Texans game in Week 18. That's what really matters is how that process plays out. It's one thing to say it in November and December. It's another thing to actually do it. We've seen this before. He said the same thing about Ryan Grigson back in the 2016 season. He had given no thought of firing him after the season, he made the move. He said the same thing about Frank Reich earlier this season, and then Frank was fired. So absolutely do not take this as a cement proposal that, that Hirschfeld is going to be back because owners change their minds. But I think you bring up a really good point. Like, how could you watch the second half of that game and think this team is on the right track? I mean, every fan out there 
that was brave enough to watch that collapse knows what's wrong and knows this is going nowhere. They're going to have to figure that out, and it, it's messy. And, and you guys know this franchise. You've been around it for a long time. I can't think of a time when this, the, the future of this team is as murky as it is right now. You had terrible seasons in 11 and 17 and 19 to a degree. But there was always a built-in excuse. There's no excuse this time other than they've screwed this up. And there's no and young hope at quarterback. Exactly. And, there, and there's no waiting at – there's no number one pick waiting for you in the spring. So who's going to be figuring that out in the coming months? That remains to be seen. But, but Jim Irsay does think highly of Chris Ballard. I know that for a fact. Zach, here's my thing. And I want you to tell me if you think that this sentiment might be one that, that – is percolating around 56th Street. I, I don't dispute that Chris Ballard is probably a good judge of talent, and I think he's had good draft picks. Evaluating talent and plucking players that you think will be good NFL players is one thing. Figuring out how they mesh with one another to properly build a roster that is symbiotic in terms of all pieces being able to move in one fluid motion is completely another. And the latter is the part where I think Chris Ballard has yet to be able to prove his mettle. I think he's good at evaluating talent. I think he is so far subpar at putting those pieces together to make a perfect jigsaw puzzle. Your thoughts? Yeah, here's how I would put it. He's built good rosters, but he's never built a good team, a great team, right? And that's what you need. Um, and, and look, this is not complicated. The quarterback has killed them. It has absolutely killed them the last two years. They swung and missed on Carson Wentz. They swung and missed on Matt Ryan. The offense needed, like Quentin Nelson was just livid in the locker room Saturday afternoon, staring at the floor in disbelief. I mean, wouldn't, wouldn't you be in disbelief of what you just witnessed? And he said, we just needed one touchdown in the second half. They had nine offensive possessions, and they didn't get score a single touchdown. And that, how many times have we heard that, like this season? So, um, no, your, your point is valid, Jake, and it's, it's more valid every single game that passes. Like, I do think there's talent on this team. They hung with the Cowboys through three quarters. They could have beat the Eagles, who have one loss in late December. And they could have beat the Vikings, who are a very fraudulent 11-3. and three. But nonetheless, they would have beat the crap out of them if they had finished that game. But this team cannot finish, and they don't have that killer instinct. And they – they just have something missing. There's just something missing. And, and obviously the coaching plays a huge role in it, but the way this team was constructed is just, it's, it's so flawed right now. And it's so obvious every single week when you have huge issues at pass rush, left tackle and quarterback, you're not going to win in this league. I don't think there's any three positions that are more vital in the way the game is played right now. And they just have continued to miss those positions. See, to me, Chris Ballard's a genius because by just kicking the can and going out and getting another 38-year-old quarterback, if there's even the thought they're going to do that next year, then you're always a year away. Well, you know, you can't evaluate everything because they, you know, they don't have a good young quarterback yet, and next year when they get a quarterback, they're re- you know, look out, and then you just keep recycling, and boom, you just bought yourself another uh, year of, of having to pay the rent. I think it's brilliant. Brilliant on his behalf. <laughs> right? There's no way – Zach, would you agree with this? There is no way he does not draft a quarterback this year in the first round. Yeah, yeah. Don't overcomplicate it. Ursay wants to get a quarterback. I don't want to hear like – Ursay might might just mandate it. 
Yeah, he might. I mean, why not? Like, I don't want to hear, like, you could screw up your franchise for five years if you pick the wrong guy. Like, that is not going to work. That excuse is not going to work. Yeah, especially it's six time. years in, right? I mean, <laughs> you're going to have a sixth pick or a fifth pick. Like, it's time to roll the dice. It's, it's time to, 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 to get in the game and stop sitting on the sidelines. And Zach Kiefer is with us here from The Athletic. Zach's latest, some great detail in here just on will Colts owner Jim Irsay bring back GM Chris Ballard in 2023. It's a must-read over on The Athletic. Um, I don't know if you saw this report over the weekend, Zach, from ESPN, but basically it was the NFL kind of sending a memo to teams around the league about, you know, when you're firing these head coaches and GMs, that, that money is a gargantuan amount. Part of me is like, who cares? These are owners. It's their money. It's not like it's impacting the salary cap. Do with it what they want to do with it. Uh, and in Jim Irsay's case, uh, the article mentioned that he is now paying Frank Reich $9 million. That is annually for the next four seasons. So math on that front. Jake helped me figure this out after his algebra final went so well. $36 million total for Frank Reich. Um, do you think in any way, shape, or form Jim Irsay cares about the finances of potentially firing Chris Ballard in the same year he fires Frank Reich and would have to pay him over the next four years? Or do you think it's more of an ego thing in that, man, I just gave these dudes contract extensions 15 months ago. I don't want to have to fire and both of them. And they're his guys. They're guys he picked. Right, and then extended. Um, do you think it's more ego or more finance? I think it's something else. I think it's, well, partly, if, if he fires Chris Ballard, that means he's starting completely over. So Jake's point is valid about ego. And, I mean, remember what he said. And this is Ursay. This is Ursay. We all know this. But he said, we have, the best cube, we have the best head coach GM tandem in the league. That was 15 months ago when he handed out those extensions. Best Frank, GM hire of the 21st weekend. century is what he called Ballard. Right, and that's in the story. And, and look, that's typical hyperbole from Ursa. We all understand that. Everybody in this town knows that. But if he was to move on from his GM, that means he is starting over from scratch for the first time in 2012. That means the last five years has been an abject failure, and that would be him admitting that. So to Jake's point, that's true. I think that's part of it. To your point, KB, about the financials, I, I'm fascinated by this because that is not a small amount of money, even for Jim Ursay. Even for Jim Irsay, $36 million to Frank Reich, you're going to have to pay a new coach. If you chase Jim Harbaugh, you're going to have to pay him a lot more, a lot more than you paid your head coaches when they were hired the first time. Remember, Chuck Pagano got a very measly contract when he was first hired in 2012. He was a coordinator. Frank Reich, same type of thing. Now, their contract extensions were more lucrative. But Jim Irsay does not have a history of paying his coaches a lot when they first arrive here. That's going to be fascinating. And again, who, who's making the decision? How much personnel control does this coach want? All those things go into the contract as well. So it's just going to be interesting because Jim Mercer, the words are one thing, but his actions are going to speak much louder. How frustrated is he? Well, he's going to have to answer that in January when he goes out and finds a new coach. Yeah, again, and I think similar to Grigson and Pagano in that 20-whatever that would have been after the 2015 season, I just think there was an element of ego where he didn't want to admit he was wrong on both. And there was the yeah. emotional tie yeah. to Chuck, obviously, and that's why he held on for one more year. Chris Ballard didn't want Chuck Pagano as his head coach, but yet Ursay didn't want to pull the trigger on both of them in that same cycle. I almost have that feeling here with... Ballard in that 
I don't think he wants to do. But again, maybe the embarrassment of the last two weeks will supersede all yeah. of that. But th- that's kind of where my thought process is. Yeah, that's totally fair, and I've had the same thought. And and you're right. Like maybe Dallas thirty-three to zero in the fourth quarter, and maybe a thirty-six to three second half in Minnesota changes his mind. Maybe that's enough to push him over the edge and say it's over, it's done. But maybe it doesn't. And like you said, if if Chris Ballard is back, that means he's leading his fourth different head coach in Indianapolis, assuming it's not Jeff Saturday. And in my opinion, it, it shouldn't be. That's that's wild. Four different head coaches for a general manager, Chuck Pagano, Frank Reich, Jeff Saturday, TBD. That is something that not a lot of GMs can say. Now, some will survive that. Howie Roseman was famously banished to the wrong side of the building in Philadelphia. He has come back with a flurry and has the best team in football right now. So it's been done before. It's a little bit um, – it, it, GMs can do that. Steve Kime has been through a lot of GMs in Arizona. But still – it has to make you think, when are they going to get this right? I've thought about this, Zach. I know this will stun you, Zach Kiefer, but sometimes I overthink things. Um, <laughs> so I want to know, if, I want you to tell me if I've overthought this. I think that Jim Mercer made a big error this year. He made a big tactical error. And I love Jeff Saturday. I think we all like him as a guy. But where he erred was... If Jim Irsay truly wanted to find out how much of this year's problem was coaching, then he would have removed Frank Reich and replaced him with a guy that had some sort of a proven acumen as a coach, even on the interim level, because then you would truly be able to have a variable by which to compare and find out just how good your roster is. But now... By putting Jeff Saturday in there, who was learning on the job as well from a head coaching standpoint, we're still left with no greater answer because we still don't know, is it coaching or is it roster? Because we've gone from a coach that you wanted to remove to replace him with a coach that we don't know how good a coach he is. And now you're double screwed. I I like that, Jake. That's really dead on. I've been thinking about that for a couple of weeks. We all like Jeff Saturday. Right? It's easy to like him. It's easy to see why he was such a great Colt for all those years. But they set him up to fail. They absolutely set him up to fail. And I don't want to hear about the Raiders game. The Raiders were a mess. And, and that was nothing more than a sugar high in early November. Reality has set in. This team didn't need an ESPN commentator to come in and coach the team. They needed a, a coach who's going to fix the passing game. Right? Let's go back to mid-October. The Colts are 3-2-1. and one. And Alec Pierce had just scored a walk-off game winner against the Jaguars. Now let's think about what, what, it needs, what it needs to take to win the AFC South this year. It's not going to take 11 or 12 wins. It, it might take nine. They were very much in a winnable division, which we knew all along. And what happened the following week after that Jacksonville win? They went to Tennessee, and they got beat. And Jim Mercer panicked. He benched Matt Ryan. He made Sam Ellinger the starter. They lost two more. And he made it worse by firing Frank Reich. Now, I'm not saying Frank should have stayed. I'm not saying the problems weren't there. But to put Jeff Saturday in that position over some other guys who have been head coaches before, in a lot of ways it was a slap in the face, not only to the coaching staff, but to the entire building. It, it was a very unserious move, in my opinion. And I think, and I'm just guessing here, this is me speculating, I think Jim Irsay thought this was going to be a lauded move. Like, I think the, he thought the fan base would love this. 
Agree. He thought the, the players would love I agree. This. And you could tell by Chris Ballard's reaction that night that he didn't love this at all. He didn't want to be in that room at all. And, and as the weeks have gone by, it's kind of interesting to ask the players in the locker room, like, they're tiptoeing this line, right? Like, they all love Jeff Saturday. He's, he's a great football guy. Like, he is. That doesn't mean he's a head coach. And that doesn't mean you get to skip the line like he did in terms of learning how to coach a team from a head coaching position. And, and these guys will be asked about it. Like, you know, how is Jeff as a coach? And I'll ask these guys in the locker room, and they'll say, man, he's, he's a great leader. You know, he's fiery. He gets after us. But what about the coaching part? And that's not Jeff Saturday's fault, and I'm never going to hold him accountable for that because this is not his fault. This is the people that made the decision above him that put him in this position. And to answer your, your question, Jake, they put him in a terrible position. And if you wanted to find out if Jeff Saturday was really an answer at head coach, this is not how you do it. Yeah, Ursay thought it was a Hollywood fairy tale that – you know he was doing here oh let's go back to that era you know of great of great success and exactly. all of that and then you just watch jeff on the sidelines on saturday it, it's it's always talking to bubba ventrone i mean it's it's so relying on others which again to a degree you understand it considering where he was coming from um zach really appreciate the time and you you know kind of shifting days with us here um i'll, I'll end with this just take us inside that locker room on saturday afternoon i mean it's the biggest blown lead in nfl history uh, what was the atmosphere like? Yeah, the crazy part, KB, is none of them knew the historical implications. None of them knew it was the biggest collapse in NFL history. And I, I told them that, and I asked them how, how they responded to that. And their answers were muted, and, you know, usually it was one word. Paris Campbell called it embarrassing. Julian, Julian Blackman said the same thing. I heard the word ashamed. Quentin Nelson said that was insane, and he didn't mean it in a good way. And, and DeForest Buckner is probably the guy that was the most devastated. I mean, he's picking a scab off his knee, his, his leg's bloody, and this dude's playing maybe the best season of his career, and it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter one iota because this team is absolutely crumbling. And he's just at a loss. Like, I asked him, where does this, where does this gone wrong? And, and these guys, they don't have an answer. Like, these guys are still playing. Like, I really believe that. You don't go up 33-0 to zero with a special teams touchdown and a defensive touchdown if you're just coasting into the offseason. But that's maybe the worst part for these guys. Dyer Franklin talked about that. Like, they're putting everything they have on the line, but the infrastructure and the leadership of this team has really sabotaged the end of this season. And that's sad for guys like, you know, Paris is having a great year. Well, a pretty good year, and he's been healthy. And DeForest and Zaire, and it doesn't matter because um, this season just needs to end. Again, Zach's latest, Will Colts owner Jim Ursay bring back GM Chris Ballard in 2023. Per usual, a great read on The Athletic from Zach. Uh, Zach, we'll see you out there, uh, I guess, this week. And uh, Merry Christmas to you and the girls. Merry Christmas, guys. Thanks for having me.